How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Well, you know, name, image, and likeness to me is a great concept for players. Uh, players have always been allowed to work. Uh, this is just a different opportunity for them to make money by we working doing? and using their own name, image, and likeness, whether it's signing autographs, whether it's doing commercials or ads for some company or whatever. So there's nothing wrong with that. And I told our players when this whole thing started to get agents, get representation, um, and so you create opportunities for yourself. And our players last year created $3 million worth of opportunity for themselves by doing it the right way. And I have no problem with that. And nobody had a problem on our team with that because the guys that got the money earned it. Now, there were only 25 guys on our team that had the opportunity to earn money. The issue and the problem with name, image, and likeness is coaches trying to create an advantage for themselves. I went out and said, okay, how could we use this to our advantage? They created what's called a collective. All right, a collective is an outside marketing agency uh, that's not tied to the university, that's funded by alumni from the university. And they give this collective millions of dollars. And that marketing agency then funnels it to the players. Right? And the coach actually knows how much money's in the collective, so he knows how much he can promise every player. That's not what name, image, and likeness was supposed to be. That's what it's become, and that's the problem in college athletics right now. And now every player is saying, well, what am I going to get? Well, my philosophy is my job is to create a platform moving? for our players to create value for themselves and their future yeah. by becoming better people, uh, by graduating from school and developing a career off the field, and by seeing if they can develop a career on the field and play at the next level in the NFL. Our players have made $1.7 billion in the NFL since 2010. All right, so wow. we've created a lot of opportunity. We also have one of the highest graduation rates, you know, in college athletics. We have the most guys that graduate inside of four years. So we've done a good job of that. But now in recruiting, we have players in our state that grew up wanting to come to Alabama that they won't commit to us unless we say we're going to give them what somebody else is going to give them. And my theory on that is everything that we've done in college athletics has always been equal. Your scholarship is equal. They get equal Austin, Austin money. They get equal uh, cost of attendance. Uh, they get equal academic support. They get equal medical attention. Everything has always been equal. So I told our players, I said, we're going to have a collective, but everybody's going to get the same amount of opportunity from that collective. Now, you can go earn however much you want. And I tell the recruits the same thing, because our job is not to buy you to come to school here. And I don't know how you manage your locker room, and I don't know if this is a sustainable model, uh, because one of you folks are going to give some player that comes to our school a bunch of money to come to our school. And then you're going to come to the game in full strut, I thinking I'm going to tell everybody I got that guy to come to Alabama. 
and then he's not going to play and he's going to transfer and you're going to say, I'm never going to do this again. All right, so I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know how you sustain a model like that. Now, I know that we're going to lose recruits because somebody else is going to be willing to pay them more. Um, but name, image, and likeness is something that's here. And I think the more supporters that we have for the University of Alabama in all sports right, that are willing to sponsor players, whatever you want to call it, use them in your business to help your business, that's going to help our programs. Um, the thing that I fear is at some point in time, they're just going to say we're going to have to pay players. If we start paying players, we're going to have to eliminate sports. All right? And this is, this is all bad for college sports. I mean, we probably have, what, 450 people on scholarship at Alabama, whether they're women's tennis players, women's softball players, golfers, you know, baseball players, non-revenue sports that, should, that have for years and years and years been able to create a better life for themselves because they've been able to get scholarships and participate in college athletics. That's what college athletics is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be something where people come and make money. And you make a decision about where you go to school based on how much money you're going to make. You should make a decision based on where you have the best chance to develop as a person, as a student, and as a player, which is what we've always tried to major in. And we're going to continue to do that. And hopefully there's enough people out there that will want to do it. But I know the consequence is going to be difficult for the people who are spending tons of money to get players. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's tough, and people blame the NCAA. But in defense of the NCAA, we are where we are all right, because of the litigation that the NCAA gets, like the transfer portal. Every time somebody wanted to transfer, they'd apply for a waiver. Right, if you didn't give them, if the NCAA didn't give them a waiver so they could be immediately eligible, they filed suit. So the NCAA would back off and give them a waiver. So they just said, we're just going to make a rule where everybody can transfer. That's how that happened. So if the NCAA doesn't get some protection from litigation, whether we got to get an antitrust or whatever it is, from That's a federal government. Alabama? Uh, yes, I would. First of all, I'll say it's a shame that we have to do this. It's really despicable. It's despicable that somebody can say things about somebody and an organization. More importantly, 17-year-old kids. You're taking shots at 17-year-old kids and their families. That they broke state laws. That they're, that they're, they're all money. We bought every player on this group. We never bought anybody. No rules were broken. Nothing was done wrong. It was all in the, and the way we do things, the ethics in which we do things. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous, but when, when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. And it's a shame that you've got to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right, but we're, not, we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we've got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. 
We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's it personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. It's amazing that we're allowed to do those things. It's really despicable. And I, and I hate it. For our players who are coming here who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations. There are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Questions? At the left, Olin. He's stopped him. He's stopped him. He's stopped Wow! Great penetration surge through the middle of that Michigan State first and goal. Touchdown! Yeah! Outstanding play. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching Inside the Locker Room. I am your co-host, Brian Mosalem, alongside my co-host, the Honorable Jason Strayhorn. And in studio with me is uh, our co-host justin thin justin how you doing jason how you guys doing good to be back thanks for having me guys jason how doing you doing well. buddy doing well how you guys doing we're fantastic we got a little fireworks going on this week about nil and uh you know coach spatting out with uh we had coach on a couple uh, last week and uh we got a little spat going on what do you uh what do you make of that jason well, it's a little hot in the kitchen, Brian. You know, when you look at the comments, the inflammatory comments that were returned by Jimbo Fisher, in my opinion, it looked like to me you had Coach Saban appealing to his donor base and trying to get them on board with, hey, this is the way the world is shifting. And in doing so, there was a bit of a dry snitch. You know, by that, I mean that he, he called a out a dry snitch. Yeah, it was a little bit of that. that. I mean, that's what Jimbo, that's how he took it. That's how Dion took that as well. Wow. But I think ultimately when they re reviewed the tape, when you review the tape, you the see tape, that the tape really don't lie, that. Jason. The eye in the sky don't lie. No, People doesn't. Do. The tape doesn't. Doesn't lie, but I'm just curious, Justin, when you saw Saban's take of that and then Jimbo's response, because as we know in the recruiting world that you just don't badmouth Nick Saban, you don't say those things. Obviously, there's been, you know, blood and stuff boiling over time. The Athletic wrote uh, an right. article about it. It was very interesting. Yep. Uh, what's your take on all that, Justin? So when Coach Saban first said what he said, which was the night before uh, Jimbo Fisher's press conference, I kind of understood where he was coming from in terms of who his audience was. So Coach Saban was, I want to say, in Birmingham, Alabama, talking to donors at a dinner. And he was there. Basketball coach Nate Oates was there. And basically his intention there with his comments was to light a fire under his donors, kind of try to get them to step up their bad game, and really just kind of inspire them to look at what Texas A&M is doing. We kind of need to do the same. Now, 
In doing so, he didn't need to necessarily say the wording that he said because obviously uh, Jimbo Fisher then has to go ahead and stick up for, of for his players. Of course he does. But aim, same, aim for Jimbo, of course he does. Right, yeah. But So I guess basically what I would say is I can see the purpose behind what Coach Saban was saying, but I also kind of see why Jimbo had to respond. But I don't think a 10-minute and 8-second press conference was still warranted with those kind of personal attacks. But, hey, we love it. Good yeah. content for us. You know, I think um, – <laughs> Who's the narcissist here? Jimbo. Hold on. <laughs> Who? Say it again. Wait. I think, I think it's Jimbo. Right, the guy right there? This <laughs> guy. you know i I, here's what i mean i know we talk about him talking to his donor base and and trying to educate them and saying hey we're i'm not necessarily convinced that that was the ploy i'm i'm convinced that that nick was beaten right and he came number two instead of (laughs) number one um i'm you know He's got enough donors, enough resources over there. And maybe it was to light a fire under his donor base. But, you know, that was calculated. I mean, that was directed at Jimbo. That was directed at um, at Dion, at Prime. And, you know, there is something about Nick Saban that's, uh, as we all know, he doesn't like to finish number two. I like to finish number two. Yeah. No, he doesn't like to finish number two. I agree with that, but I, I think that to come in second place uh, in, in recruiting when he did not quote-unquote buy any players, and I know that to be pretty true. I do know some players that, that signed with Alabama who did not receive a dime in NIL as of yet. In, in their freshmen, you know, guys who enrolled early in Alabama, and some of their family members are a little bit disgruntled because they've heard now through the grapevine how other kids in the same class have been compensated. You know, I don't know if these are deals that were worked out before, but we all know, like, how, how could they not be? You know, when you look at NIL, and we're going to dive into that a little bit later. But at Alabama, they have really done it the, the way of the intention of NIL and that is to get agents that's what Nick Saban said I told my team to get agents and go market yourself only 25 guys out of his 85 scholarships participate so hey they were trying to do things the way in the spirit of the law but you know now as you know it's a wild wild west people are going to go right up to the line and maybe straddle that line in order to get you know, the players they need to win championships. Personally, I think the way that that Jimbo should have handled it, especially I don't put any stock in the NCAA's little hollow guidance that they put out. With that in mind. Bull crap. Yeah. Absolute bull crap. So at that point, why not just lean into the perception that you have all this money and you have all this, like, recruiting prowess? If you're Jimbo Fisher, why not just kind of tweet out something like, cry me a river go eggs and just kind of lean into it a little bit plus at the end of the day no one's buying jimbo fisher's whole thing of oh we're getting players 
the same way we always have. At eight and four, Texas. Right, eight and four with the grayest landscape in all of College Football. College football. Station is it's, the, is the nope. utopia. Right, yeah. Beautiful. This guy is making it sound like College utopia. Station is Aruba or something, and they're just getting players because they want to come to College Station, and they were just coming off a national title or something. No, you're not beating Nick Saban. You're not beating Georgia right after a natty by simply telling people, hey, come play at College Station. So everyone knows what's going on, and I'm not here to say that it's right or wrong, but just kind of you lose your credibility, just lean into it. I think the recruits would think it's a little cool too. So just the way, the way Jimbo's handled this whole thing, it's kind of, kind of corny, kind of cringy. Just lean into it, in my opinion. You, you hey, Justin, know, you're a 247 guy. You're an extraordinaire. You talk to kids all over the country. You hear stories like that? Oh yeah, it's kids know what other kids are getting. They they basically have an idea of, and that's kind of why it's dangerous for some of these schools to let some of their uh, offers get out there. Like you look at Miami with Life Wallet and um, the basketball player they landed for four hundred thousand dollars. Like the kids start to figure out what other kids are valued at, and suddenly they're like, okay, can I get a little bit of that? So at the end of the day, I guess you don't want numbers getting public. But there's not necessarily a negative to kind of embracing that you're an NIL school because the kids are going to know from one another anyway. So you, now you're just over here doing this dog and pony show in front of cameras, doing 10-minute pressers, lying about something you know is not true. Well, I think um, there's, you know, Nick's very rarely been called out like that. And Jimmo claims Nick called him and he didn't call him back, you know. Called several coaches this week to kind of get the backdrop and the backstory about, um, you know, their relationship. And it's it's very interesting. Very interesting, to say the least. There's been... Um, What's the feedback? Nick, yeah, the, the feedback is uh, not an easy guy to work for, I think, as we know. I mean, he's very hard-charging, very demanding. Uh, I think they've butted, butted heads several times. Um, and I think, you know... God, without divulging too much, uh, you know, Nick doesn't like to finish second. And, um, you know, on the recruiting trail, um, you you can't badmouth Nick Saban, can't talk about Alabama, or else there is this, there's this, uh, you know, this word put out on you. Let me, let me use that term. Uh, and so really Jimbo's press conference, what he said to me, was when you look at Nick's reputation and the the respect or fear, whatever you want to call it, that that uh, other coaches have for him. What Jimbo said to me, calling Nick a narcissist, and you know, ask those that worked for him, and all those things, um, were very interesting, very very um, very eye opening. For those that don't know on the outside that he's a very demanding person and stuff like that. So definitely Jimbo had a message to send. And when he held that press conference, what was that message that he was sending? I'm just curious, Jason. What was Jimbo telling people? I think that his donor base at Texas A&M and his coaching staff and, and where they believe the trajectory of this whole NIL era and transfer portal era is going has given him the confidence to say we don't give a damn about Alabama you know they, they were able to beat him on the field he's the first former coach 
of Nick Saban's to beat Nick Saban, if I'm correct, this past season at home. You are correct. You know, it was a last-minute field goal that, that beat Nick Saban. And I think that, on top of the oil money that is known to matriculate all through the bowels of Texas, they feel that they compete with anybody in the country as evidence in the class that they have now gotten one of the all-time greatest classes. This isn't just the best class of 2022. This is one of the all-time greatest classes ever. And this is after a following an 8-4 season. So I think that confidence, they said, hey, Jimbo, we got your back. Go out there and to hell with that SOB. And that's what you got in that press conference. I think that it was a little bit overstepping, in my opinion. But that's what he wanted to do. They wanted to draw a line in the sand and said that they're here to compete for SEC championships and beyond. You know, I agree with you. It was overstepping. And as, um, you know, as we all know that, uh, you know, Nick's a different breed. And Jimbo, this new era that we're entering is an extremely interesting era. Um, how you recruit players has completely changed. And really what the focus of these young men are has, has let's just be honest, I mean, has changed. But then, prime, Deion Sanders weighs in because he was called out directly. Do we have that tweet up there? You know, Deion responded to Nick's comments about Jackson State, and uh, it was very interesting because he said, uh, Deion, Coach Saban wasn't talking to me. Coach Saban was talking to Jimbo Fisher. He was talking to his boosters. He was trying to get money. Very, very interesting to me. And then he also said, you best believe that I will address that lie, in parentheses, that Coach Saban told um, whatever. I'll address it tomorrow. I was at a awakening. I was awakened by my son, and that sent me the article stating that, quote, we paid, and Travis Hunter is a million dollars to play at, you know, his uh, hashtag at school. And it was a people don't want, don't have to pay our people to play with our people. What do you make of that, Justin? Yeah, I think um, Coach Sanders uh, took offense to... Maybe the preconceived notion that the only reason someone would want to play for an HBCU in this era would be NIL. And we're seeing uh, college basketball players go to HBCUs. We're seeing um, football players go there. Travis Hunter's not the only one. So um, I guess why can't players go play for HBCUs? Why can't in this era where NFL uh, GMs and uh, scouts can find you anywhere, what if some people want to go play in an HBCU for genuine reasons and don't need to be overpaid by a million dollars like Coach Saban is suggesting? So I don't know exactly what happened here with Travis Hunter. Maybe that is what happened. But what Coach Prime is kind of saying there is, how dare you kind of imply the only reason someone wanted to play at an HBCU is because you think we paid him a ton of money. Do we have Travis Hunter's tweet up there to show? Travis Hunter had an interesting yeah, tweet. Yeah, up there. <laughs> 
He said, I got a mill, but my mom still stayed a three-bedroom house with five kids. So he's kind of saying that mill did not happen. Otherwise, so, his mom would be out. out right. You know. So then the Detroit Econo Economic Forum had a, um, this weekend had a, or this past week had a, a summit. And they cornered Mel Tucker to ask Mel about his comments about, if he had about Jimbo and, and Saban. And, you know, Mel, I mean, he's worked for Nick. He's not, you know, he's not. Doesn't want to get involved in that spat. He thinks uh, NIL is good uh, overall, but uh, I think that that kind of talk regarding NIL really, you know, sheds a negative light on it. And, um, you know, NIL had um, typical, I think, um, I think it was very interesting what he said, right? When he said, uh, he said, I try to take the judgment out of it. I really do, Tucker said via Tony Garcia on Twitter. I believe in neutral thinking. I'm not going to get too high or too low. It's not right or wrong, not good or bad. It just is what it is. You get the one or a zero. You get a W or an L. It's binary. That's what he's selling. Or that's what he's saying. Yeah. So that's about as neutral as a statement as you can make. That's basically saying Mel Tucker, like, don't get me involved. We cannot. We don't want to get involved. He also had another quote that he gave to Tony Garcia. Got that up there is Mel Tucker, if you could make one change across college football, what would that be? And Mel said, the coach said, I'd like them to figure out what holding is. That <laughs> got a big laugh, of course. And but Mel was serious. What is holding? Which is a whole different discussion. Yeah. But you know, back to this NIL. Um wanna bring on, you know, an uh, NIL expert, NIL lawyer, Mike Stone, Mike Mike Stein, who joins inside the locker room uh, mike how are you today great to have you on set thank you brian i'm i'm very happy to be here and i'm happy to discuss this topic jason how are you good to see you man doing phenomenal how you doing mike thank you thank you thank uh, thank you to, what do you make of all this mike tell us like tell us these comments you know what you heard sure and then talk to us a little about like what are the rules of engagement sure sure uh, I found the comments to be explosive. Uh, I found them to be uh, quite something. If you break down what Nick Saban said first, what Nick Saban basically said is you have, you have broken the rules on NIL and all of, to Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M that all of your players were induced to come to the school. That is a major he's alleging a major ncaa violation the biggest that you can get in when it comes to nil right through all you know and it's 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 not a you know there's some hard fast rules but but basically as a, as it relates to the um you know potential student athletes the rule is nil cannot be tied to inducement or contingent upon them enrolling in a certain school right so what nick saban said was you have violated this rule and every single player that every single recruit that you had you bought i.e you induced to come to this school that's 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 as that's as egregious as it gets and so i find from a from a you know perspective of of wrongdoing i'm i i see that he's accused him of the worst so obviously jimbo comes back and in in fires back and what does jimbo do accuses Nick of impropriety in the past 
right? So again, now you have another coach accusing mm. the coach of NCAA violations. If I were the NCAA, I would haul both of these guys in and say, what, what information do you have, right? Ask Jim, Jimbo Fisher flat out said, we know what he's done in the past, right? He's a bad dude. He's done some things that are, are, are not right. He came right out and said it, right? If I were the NCAA office, I would want an explanation on what information that he has. So I don't like that Jimbo Fisher exposed himself to scrutiny about what he may know about Nick Saban in the past. And so I think that his response was, was, uh, was not good. I don't think that he should have done that as... From a legal perspective, I think that he shot back and essentially put himself in the line of fire as well. And, and so I think, I think for, from a global standpoint, uh, this is, it's, it's not good for anyone. But you have two coaches that have really accused each other of, of some serious wrongdoing. And you also have Jimbo going on the record and saying, you know, I've got nothing to do with NIL, right? Don't know anything about it. So... That really better be the case. You know, when you peel back the onion or, or when these things shake out a couple of years from now, he really better not have been involved in any way because he went on the record. Well, okay, so let me ask you this. Tell us the rules and the law because a lot of it's murky, right? When you say he shouldn't be involved or not involved, right. can somebody within the university uh, uh, this deal with a a collective or whatever you call so them, what, so, a donor. What, what are the rules exactly so, so we can better understand? So, so what we're dealing with in this and what Nick accused Jimbo of is, is, is dealing with prospective student athletes, right? So pre-enrollment, okay? So name, image, and likeness, the interim policy and the policy that you know, Michigan State um, and U of, University of Michigan have adopted, is it, it mirrors the NCAA interim policy on name, image, and likeness. There used to be a prohibition on student athletes receiving compensation for their name, image, and likeness, right? So what it doesn't allow, okay, is compensation contingent on enrollment at a particular university, i.e. an inducement to come to a university, right? Fine. It doesn't allow compensation for athletic performance or achievement, meaning I can't put in a contract, you get $1,000 per touchdown right and three the compensation has to be for actual work performed quid pro quo something for something okay those are the three hard fast prohibitions right now what does it allow for it, it allows for an athlete to make money uh, commercialize their their name image and likeness and make money from it right just like you can justin just like you can off Social media engagement. Oh, I'm signing sponsorship deals all day long. <laughs> right, right. People right. want me. I'm like, you know, <laughs> right. salt model, right. shampoo model. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so it allows them to, you know, social media engagements, a, a, you know, endorsement, advertise products, a myriad of things, you know, that they can do. Um, but what we're dealing with with collectives, okay, are basically these entities that have been defined as boosters because they they they, they kind of are right um set up to in, in various ones do various different things right you know certain schools have a collective that's set up by or i shouldn't say school right affiliated with schools because universities are supposed to have nothing to do with the collectives right universities are not supposed to go go back hold on universities are not supposed to get 
So are you telling me that a university employee cannot have any contact with uh, a collective or whatever they're called, an, an entity that's, that's raising money for NIL? So if you're... so. So you have to be very careful there, right? There's not a hard, fast answer to that. Because I, I read the law, and it's murky, right? Right, It's, it's, a, right. it's which, a PSA on, on discouragement. Right, right, which is, and in, in, in for good reason, right? If you have a university official involved, you have this appearance that the school has some sort of say over what that collective is going to give to the student athlete, right? And now you run into issues of, pay for play, stuff like that. And you have a whole host of other issues that would be involved with having a university official involved, right, with employment issues, Title IX issues. You know, if there was a, a contractual disagreement, um, to have a university official involved in there, it, you're really asking for a problem. And if you look at the NCAA rules, there's a reason why they prohibit um, university officials from having anything to do with um, an agent, a sports agent, right? University officials are not allowed to, on behalf of a college athlete, you know, market their their uh, their athletic performance to uh, sports agents. So this is along the same lines, right? It, it doesn't jive with what um, the NCAA wanted with NIL, which is for the universities to the universities cannot pay the players. We know that, but for them to be in. They're really not supposed to be involved because... What does that mean they're not really supposed to be involved? Well, what, is, what is the hard, fast rule? I mean, I get it. Well, that here's the, the question I have. I, I get it. I, I'm with you, Brian, because this is the same. I want to question with you, Mike, because if what, you're, what I'm hearing you say is that if a university facilitates any action by the collective with the prospective athlete, assigned athlete now, and there is any dispute with the athlete be maybe not performing the task, you know, when they, I've seen the, you need to tweet so many times, you need to come and do this uh, appearance, uh, yeah. what, whatever mm. those things are. If there's any contractual issue, what I'm hearing you say is now the university has put themselves right in the line of fire because they have to enforce that's, cor that's, that, that's, that's right. correct. That's correct. And then also, again, if, they, if it comes down to an investigation or, or there's an investigation involved, uh, these are, and, and not to mention the ethical conflict of interest, right? I mean, how, what, does a, what does a university official that, is a, a, that represents a university understand? One, they're not, they're, they're not a lawyer, so that they're not going to represent the, the, the student athlete as a lawyer. So what are they doing? They're representing as an agent. So if they're an agent under the, MS, under the MSU policy, for example, uh, you have to be paid fair compensation. So what are you going to do? You're going to have a student athlete pay a university official that is also potentially a coach I mean, it's to me to me to do any to engage in anything like that is this is the first time I've ever heard of anything like that, right? To me, because it sounds preposterous that that the university would want it would would throw themselves into it like that, right? So, and then we're so, going to be on a show. Well, Mike, then, is that why? Yeah, no, you know, I'm asking. Gen I'm asking generic questions. I mean, I'm not. I'm. I'm just saying in general. I want to understand, like, because we're yeah. getting conflicting reports, right? About 
that a university official can be involved in dealing with a group of donors, can negotiate contracts, and then we're also being told, no, they can't. Right. And negotiate, say rules murky. Yeah. Negotiate contracts to me is, 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 is a no-go, right? There, there, there could conceivably be some discussion as, as, a, as a coach or a university official would have with boosters, right? General, you know, discussions. But the university is, if you start to, if an official is starting to say, uh, this player should get X, I want this player to get X, these are, this is pay for play. And so there's certain things that, that clearly to me cross the line, right? Like if you want to have someone act as a liaison um, to, to some of the programs and make sure that, you know, the compliance aspect is running appropriately or, 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 or that their public image is appropriate, that's kind of a different story. But to have real involvement the way that I would, I have involvement in representing a player is, is, uh, Tell us your involvement. What are how, give us an example of how you represented a player? Right, right. So, so what I do is, you know, as a lawyer, I, I, I handle two components. So one, I handle the legal aspect of it, the the reporting, the drafting of the con, the drafting of the contracts, the negotiation of the contracts. But for for my guys, for a select group of guys that I represent, I also actively go out there and seek. Uh, name, image, and likeness opportunities, endorsement deals. And so, as you know, this is still, in Michigan, is still kind of a regional thing, right? You know, we're still dealing with regional companies, you know, businesses inside the state that are interested in working with the student athletes. And so I actively go out and, and, and seek opportunities uh, for my guy, negotiate the contracts, figure out the terms of the contracts, and then you know get everything signed and, and submitted to the universities. And it's been uh, it's been quite lucrative, you know, to start, and it's going to get even more lucrative. So, Mike, let me ask you a question: If there is a school, they don't have anybody uh, being a liaison to a collective, saying these are my top seven targets, right? Not doing anything that is them directing the collective to target certain players or give certain sums. Okay. However, that collective is indeed engaging in pay for play. They are um, coming to quid pro quo um, deals with student athletes while they're still in high school in order for them to play for a school. But nobody with the university is involved. Schools are, or collectives are simply looking at who's visiting the school, thinking, okay, these are important recruits, and on their own going ahead and paying money. How can the NCAA enforce anything in terms of punishing the schools in that regard? That, that, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, what, what you may see is, is the punishment to the students, mm. right, to the student athletes, which is, which is what you're concerned with the most. You're right. I mean, theoretically, it's going to be hard to, part, to, to, to punish a university for, for activity that they had you know, no knowledge right. of, right? But 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 that's that could come down on on the student athlete, and you know, you're talking about you know being ruled ineligible, and and you know there are other things that can then happen with that. I, I think with that, you know, with that collective, whereby that collective would no longer be able to have any affiliation, you know, with the with the university, which is why I say that there is some interaction 
that a collective could conceivably have with a university, whereby if they wanted to know what was permitted or what wasn't permitted or what way you know, they're able to help out, what way they're not able to help out, right? So, yeah. so that type of dialogue I don't see you know, as a problem. It's it's really with the the pay for play and the the what you just referenced, uh, you know, I imagine is is going to be an issue, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's going to be an issue, and that's why you hope that a lot of these guys hire people that are, you know, people that are doing their handling their nil matters, but that are also attorneys, right? That's right. almost why I jumped into this because, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry now says, oh, I want to manage, you know, I I can get you X, X, and X. Well, there's other components, right? There's mm-hmm. handling the legality aspect. There's the, you know, there's the compliance component. <clears throat> there's a the contract negotiation, making sure everything's right, and you know that these players aren't signing terrible contracts. Right. So that is definitely going to be an issue. I mean, it's definitely going to be an issue, and we're going to have to see how the NCAA handles it. I think at this point, what they've indicated through that memo is that they're going to go after the most egregious cases right now. And, and some of that points me in the direction of, you know, what happened with the unnamed quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, that signed two days later with Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you had, I want to ask you about that yeah. real quick. So that whatever that dollar amount was, right? Yeah. yeah. How would they know to offer that dollar amount to that quarterback if they're not in consultation with the staff? And can they be in I'm, no, this is a serious no, question. Not, a, not about can the money. Can they be no. in consultation with the no, staff? No, no, that's no, absolutely not. So, so Tennessee can offer a quarterback eight million dollars for X amount of years, but in theory, cannot be in negotiation with the staff getting directive. Right. So, so the way that that would have had to have gone down, right? Otherwise, it's a pay for play, or it's an inducement that the university is directly involved in, right? So, the way that that should have went, if it went down the right way, and I don't know how it went down. Yeah, I'm just asking. is that the collective would, the, you know, the. See, the, the, here's what's interesting about that one is it, I don't agree with how that was rolled out. And basically what they tried to do, the way that attorney that drafted that contract is, is tried to use a loophole to say it wasn't an inducement, which is why I think they're going to have a problem because you can't come right out and say, well, this really, you know, we structured this to not look like an inducement, right? That's not keeping in the spirit of what's allowed, right? It's basically saying, well, because we worded it this way, it's not an inducement, right? That doesn't, that doesn't pass the smell test that it actually was an inducement. And so I think that you're, I think, you're, I think that's one of the ones that the NCAA is going to take a, a hard look at, right? Because he signed two days later with Tennessee, right? Uh, but, but the way that that should have went down is he should have signed with the university. Committed. But committed, yeah, 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 yeah. excuse me, committed, good, yeah, yeah. committed with the university, and then they can roll that out, that they have, they have a deal, right? But that got rolled out prior to him you know, stating that uh, it, it had nothing to do it. with him going to the university. The university name isn't mentioned in the contract, right? But then two days later, he signs with Tennessee. Either way, either way you want to look at it, the university would never have been allowed to say, I want you to give him X, X, and X. I want you to give him $8 million a year. If they did, they're, they've, they've breached the rule of being involved in, in, in uh, the name, image, and likeness. Right. Very, very right. interesting. The, show that clip about the Texas NIL. You got that up there? High school? So Texas law now will, um, will consider legislation that would allow Texas high school athletes to earn NIL compensation. I believe Florida and California yep. allow that as well. Well, I think there was a lawsuit in Florida. There's actually it. nine, nine states. 
that are allowing it. And what kind of competitive advantage does that give these states? Man, I mean, this really, it almost acts also as a workaround to the inducement, right? I, I mean, it, 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 it just gives people the opportunity to get involved on the endorsement end with these young athletes even earlier. You know, I don't, I don't necess- I don't really have a problem with it. You know, I think that if somebody wants, you know, if somebody wants to pay you money to endorse their product, you know, you should be able to do it right. We have child actors. Uh, these guys are working their tails off. Uh, they deserve, you know, they deserve it. They don't. You know, I, I didn't play college football. I didn't play college athletics. But these guys, they lead different lives than we do, right? They, they have, their days are filled with so much commitments that they should be able to cash in uh, when their stock is high. And so I have no problem with, you know, with this, with, with allowing high school kids to, to, to make money off their name, image, and likeness. Where, where are we going from here? Man, like, I, mean, what, what is, I mean, this is the Wild West right yeah, now. Yeah, it really is. And in, 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 in the sky is the limit, okay? The, as you can is see. Is that good or bad? You know, I, that's, that's, a question, <laughs> that's a question that I leave more to you guys to answer. I don't, whereas well, what I, mean, I what say I is, I, hold the, I host the podcast. You know, my job, <laughs> you know, my job as, a, as, 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 a, as somebody that goes out and procures deals for my clients is to make them as much money as I possibly can. Sure. Right? That's my fiduciary, and I take it. Uh, you know, I, I take it very seriously, right? As as you should. And um, what happens thereafter? I, I kind of, you know, there's going to be some some additional stuff that happens. There's going to be some locker room envy. There's going to be some issues that coaches have to deal with when mm-hmm. some of their players may be making more than their assistant coaches, right? There's there's other there's time commitments that that are involved with with these activities. You know, my my athletes have to you know have they, they have obligations they have social media posts they have to do they have appearances they have to do so i think that there is going to be a there is going to be some consequences to this right there's going to be some stuff that is going to have to be worked out but but from my perspective you know the really the sky's the limit as we're seeing from some of the contracts that we're seeing right now you know six figure contracts seven figure contracts um, these are massive deals i mean you have deals with uh, with with Gatorade and and Steph Curry has signed someone and so you're only going to see more of these you know we live in a not to wax all political but we kind of we, we kind of live in the world of FOMO right fear of missing out right we you all know, do we, we, right <laughs> that's why we're in crypto right we're, everybody <laughs> has that okay and so now and so now now that's for you David Sala you know right. now you have the idea oh yeah. You know, so now, now, now you have this this situation where everybody they want to be a they want to be a part of the action, and everyone wants to say, you know, I had uh, I had Dylan Tatum show up at my bar mitzvah, you know what I mean, or or I had the all five you know offensive linemen show up at my Christmas party, you know, or or, or, or stuff like this, which is very cool, which you can you know which you can now now do, and so um, I think that it's it's wide open, you know, you're you got guys like myself that are actually going out there and, and really trying to press the envelope and try to connect these kids with local or regional brands and, and try to make something happen. So I think that it's, 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 it's a great opportunity and it's really, it is going to rule college football. Okay. It already has, right. We've already I mean, it's seen it's taken over, it's, it, it's taken over and, and we can see, 
you'll be able to see in 2023 with the um, with the recruiting class and the rankings, right? Even though they're not supposed to be inducements, we're going to see the changing landscape, right? You got you know you know these University of Kentucky's Vanderbilts, some of these schools that were never recruiting. You know now Vanderbilt has more recruits signed for 2023 they got than a lot Alabama of money does. Over there now. So a lot of the great law school, lot of smart kids. So you know, I think that the you're going to see. I think you're going to see some big deals. I think you're also going to see some things happen where where guys are leaving or or, or guys are concerned. You know, guys. Uh, we already saw it with like, with a player from FSU that basically, you know, sat out or so to speak. He's, yeah, he's, free agency. Right, he sat out, and then with the transfer portal too. I mean, this is this is, you know, money talks, right? And so if anyone thinks that this is not part of a no. college kid's decision, is, is no lying shit. to themselves. And when I say that it's a part of it, you know, we live in an age when your, your position coach may not be there. When you're, after one or two years of you being there, your coach may not be there, right? So there's not as much, there's not as much uh, uh, devotion to the colors anymore, right? When, when coaches are leaving at the drop of a dime, you know, you, you've got to worry about yourself. And, and so the, the NIL compensation that you can make is going to be a very big factor for these kids. It's here to stay. And, and based on the rulings of the Supreme Court, uh, it's going to be very hard to curtail a lot of this activity. Yeah, right. And, you know. I mean, the Supreme Court per, pretty much neutered the NCA. Wouldn't you agree? Right. No, yeah. they, they, they did. You know, they did. And, and, so it's, it's, and so it's people say, well, they're going to do something's going to happen. They're going to do something. But based on that ruling. They can't. You know, this this is really this is really it's here to stay. Um, You know, we may see some you know, we 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 may see some crackdowns here or there on some egregious activity. But, uh, you know, this is three enforcement officers. They've cut staff and by, you know, 20 some. I mean, we're entering the Wild West phase. Sources tell me that those three enforcement officers were at a high school this week. And they were threatening prospective high-level recruits that they're going to be coming and interviewing your schools and asking questions about when you did enter or be or were promised these NIL deals. Those three guys you're talking about—they're on the loose right now. Right. You know, I don't know what their budget is. I don't know what their power is. It doesn't sound like they have much power. For, uh, Le- that that that, that I can confirm. Happening. That I can confirm, so I appreciate yeah. Yes, Jason, you are correct. Let's get to that Jackson Kohler signing an NIL representation deal. I think that was a little bit misstated. Right. Um, Justin, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, yesterday Forbes reported um, with an original headline of, I think that Jackson Kohler had signed some six-figure NIL deal, and then I had went ahead and talked to his agent, Justin Brantley, um, an hour after that broke and we sat down and had a Zoom call. Really what had happened here is, uh, as the tweet you see on the screen, uh, Jackson signed with Helium Sports Entertainment and Marketing for NIL representation. So the deal is based on a projection that Kohler will be worth six figures through Helium's branding efforts. It is not any sort of deal where Kohler got six figures. So, so he's I, not making any money. Correct. He could theoretically make $0 out of this, or he could exceed $100,000 out of it. It just depends how his career goes, what his value is, what kind of brands uh, try to sign him, and what that value is. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, an excerpt from that article that I wrote here was 
um, it kind of sheds light on who Justin Brantley is and uh, kind of what kind of agent uh, Kohler is represented by here. He says, we're building, what we're building here is a marathon, not a sprint. At the end of the day, Jackson wants to play in the NBA. My job and my goal is to make sure I don't devalue his brand before his NBA opportunity comes. My goal is to accentuate and build his brand so someone can look at him and say, he's an X amount more uh, valuable because of the work Helium did versus a brand coming and saying, He's oversaturated and devalued by all sorts of low market brands associating with them. So there's a lot of brand building and brand protection that we're going to focus on. So basically, um, Brantley just wanted to go ahead and clarify that this is not some cash grab operation where they're just signing Kohler up with all sorts of different brands trying to hit the six figure mark. They're going to make sure that he is only aligning with reputable companies, big companies. And um, I think it's good for Michigan State fans to see that one of their um, athletes that should be a marquee athlete as soon as this year is kind of going to be steered correctly here in the NIL game. And, uh, but I just wanted to clarify, this is an NIL representation deal. So this would be like somebody signing with Mike Stein here yeah. um, to make sure that they're navigating the circuit um, in, a, in a clear fashion, so, not an NIL deal. So you're telling me that the, the NIL that we know that's being formed right. He can not partake in that. So since he has signed his letter of intent, he can go ahead and sign any sort of deals as long as the school does not arrange it for them. And we know Tom Izzo is not going to be breaking any rules and doing that. No, no, but so, can he solve with multiple NI, uh, uh, collectives or la for lack right, of a better yeah, term? Yeah, he can go and sign right. with anybody. So like um, Caleb Williams, when he committed to USC, well, actually when he signed with USC out of the portal, immediately after he signed a multi-million dollar deal with Beats. So that's legal. But you can't do anything like that until the day you sign on the dotted line. For college football players, that is mid-December. Mm -hmm. Anything happening before that is what, uh, is what Mike Stein was saying here, where then it's an inducement. You're, mm. You cannot sign before you cannot sign with any collective, with any sort of company until mid-December if you're a football player and you've signed on the dotted line. After that, someone like Jackson Kohler. Justin, Justin, I think, yes. I, think, I think what Brian is asking, though, since he signed with the company, like since I signed with Mike Stein, right? can I also sign a deal from somewhere that Mike Stein does not bring. So something Mike, that Mike Stein doesn't bring to me. So in, in this case, actually, Mike Stein, his job would be to go ahead and secure those deals and bring them on the table for Jackson. So yes, he is, uh, Justin Brantley here, is the agent that's job is to go out and find these deals for Jackson to sign. Jason, I'd, 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 the way I'd answer your question is to say that it, it would depend on what their arrangement is, right? If they have an exclusive agreement or not, or, you know, is, is that the only, is he the only one doing that? Or is, is you know, if, 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 for example, I were to bring him a deal, right? You know, is he, is he, mm -hmm. is he working exclusive? But yeah, like you know, like you listen. I mean, the, you know. if you were to bring him a deal, can he sign with you or no? I, it would all depend on what type of arrangement he has uh. with. You know, he has. And the, but the way I see this is, Mr. Brandley is is again is just his agent who's saying, listen, I'm going to build a brand with him. It could be worth six figures, right? Perhaps what they're thinking is that they're going to do a branding, you know, a, a clothing brand themselves, and that if they do that and and, and it's well, you know, he's going to have a six figure deal because he owns, you know, his his client owns that. That, you know owns that that brand um but, but yeah what he's basically saying is uh, you know i'm an agent i'm going to go out and try to find him some deals that are you know that that we believe fit with his 
ethics, which is yeah, you know, which is exactly what I try to do, right? right. You, you know, you take your client, you take your clients, and you try to fit them with brands that are going to further their that are going to further them from a, a a publicity standpoint, and and that align with their morals and their ethics. And so, you know, I think that the way that it was written, you, you know, when you peel back the onion a little the, bit, that's right, what I was going to ask you. Right. Was the headline misleading? Yeah, of course yeah. it was. I mean, All of right. course, of course it was. But listen, he's he's trying to, you know, he's trying to get some publicity I for his it. clients. So I, 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 I like. Appreciate that. I like that aspect of yeah. it. And I, hope, I hope Jackson Kohler makes seven digits. Right. How's that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah, absolutely of do. Of absolutely. Totally. Absolutely do. Mike, uh, we're going to have you back on. I want to thank you very much. I appreciate it. Listen, I really appreciate I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it, you know, it's a pleasure. You know, I'm a, a Spartan grad in law school as well. And so it's it, it's great to, to, to be on here. And next time, what I hope to discuss is more about, you know, Michigan State's involvement. In, in in or excuse me, not Michigan State's involvement, but the MSU not community, Michigan State. not <laughs> yeah. Michigan State's involvement, <laughs> but the you know the the community and in, in, in whether you know the collectives are going to get together, um, you know, affiliated with Michigan State, and, and and hopefully we can have a a nice conversation on that. All right, well, we're there's a lot of folks working on something pretty big, so when they're ready to uh, make uh, make light of that. It will be known. So, okay. Mike Stein, NIL Thank expert you guys. Thanks, attorney. Jason. Thank you for joining our show. We really appreciate you, Mike. My and, best, uh, Mike. My wish you all the best. We're going to lean on you for future expertise. You got it. You Thank got you, it. Mike. Mike Stein, uh, NIL expert, joining our show. Real quick, before we let you go, we got a big official visit weekend here coming June 3rd. MSU set for a big official visit. And according to this graphic, we're going to let Justin explain this graphic because I see a lot of green. I don't really understand it. So go ahead, Justin. So what you guys see on the screen here is a uh, graphic that shows two data sets. One is the percentages that you see to the right of every bar graph. That percentage indicates how many of each school's official visit slots have been filled up or booked. So in Michigan State's case, you see 58.9% next to their bar graph. That means 58.9% of Michigan State's 56 allowed visit spots have been booked. So that, for one, indicates the amount of kids that want to come and see what Michigan State is selling. That is impressive in its own regard. However, the more impressive factor here is the size of the bar graphs. And that actually, as you can see on the axis a at the bottom. A big size. Yeah. All I see is a big green <laughs> bar graph, which to me tells us it's good. Right. So here, Bud Davis, <laughs> I don't know his formula, but Bud Davis has a cumulative recruiting talent metric at the bottom. And by his definition, Michigan State is bringing in more talent to their official visit season in June than any other school in the nation so far. Wow. When have we ever seen that? I have not. That is absolutely phenomenal. I don't know what that formula is. I'll tell you guys is. what. Yeah, it's tell an us. incredible formula. Sources tell me that, you know, of the 56 official visit spots, Michigan State has 80-plus players, none of them under a four-star, trying to book those 56, try to get a slot in one of those 56. Wow. And inquiring minds want to know this, that, that – the coaches have been out on the road lately recruiting as it's been, you know, contact period. Justin, you're very familiar with this. Yep. But right now, the the overbearing, um, I guess, narrative that is being 
that is coming back is that somehow recruits have forgotten because there must be some negative recruiting in my opinion about Michigan State's recent success. There's a lot of reselling that has happening with the Michigan State staff about Michigan State being 11 and two, about Mel Tucker, about them going from two and five to 11 and two and the culture that Michigan State has. It's a lot of short term memory out there on the recruiting trail right now. And we wanna make sure that recruits are all, you know, they're, they're getting back. Oh yeah, that's right. They did beat Michigan. Mm. They did beat Penn State. They did win their bowl game, the Peach Bowl, New Year's Six. There's a lot of things that people, and we know how people are, they have short memories. They have forgotten. Recruits have forgotten. Families have forgotten. We want to make sure that people know that. And as far as the arms rates and facilities, Michigan State has broken ground. Stuff's coming out of the ground now. So they're going to be on par with everybody. So this official visit season is going to be very exciting. Uh, Justin, you're going to have your hands full, you and Corey. Right. Yeah. So, sounds like people are scared. What do you think, Stray? Yeah. Oh, you know it. Yeah. They so hey, sounds like they hear them footsteps. Tuck's coming. <laughs> what do you up. think? Yeah. Tuck coming. Yep. And I should clarify that we actually, um, I need to relook at the rules, but Michigan State might have up to 62 official visit slots. Uh, my understanding of the rule Ooh. is you can carry up to six from the previous year if you have them unused. And Michigan State did not have even 50 official visits last year. So they definitely will carry over six from last year. And I am going to say they have 62 official visit slots, but I will relook at the rules and post that on the Shaw Lane VIP board if if I am correct about that. Thank you. We're gonna we're gonna talk about their recruiting cap next week. You got something else, Jason? Sorry, I cut you off. I was gonna talk about that recruiting cap. We're gonna get there next week. We get there next we'll get week. There ne we're teasing them. No, for next week. we're teasing them right. for next week. And next week's guest, we're gonna tease them. We'll tease them on Monday. We'll let them know Monday. But uh, ladies time, and gentlemen, yeah. uh, I am Brian oh. Mosalem, your co-host for Inside the Locker Room, along with my co-host, the Honorable Jason Strayhorn, special guest Justin Thin, who who we believe is a rising star, <laughs> going to be a future in the business. Thank you for joining us, Justin. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you. And Mike Stein, we appreciate all of your insight on NIL because these are uncharted waters and territories that all of us are trying to understand and grapple. Ladies and gentlemen, you are watching Inside the Locker Room. Thank you very much for joining us. God bless. Go green. Take care. Good night. He's Wow! Great penetration surge through the middle of that Michigan State first and goal. Time to hold this. I'll tell you what, you got the This fucking is the wild. So, so, so that, so that graphic that you show. Yeah. We're gonna see. You're gonna have real time. Yeah. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go, let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're a body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest, go on vacation, or try something new. Maybe some yoga. Notice you're not holding on to any tension here. Or a dance class. Get sexy with it, daddy. You do you. And then start again. Be committed to this process. Choose a new body block each month. Get a new challenge each month. Have fun every day. Avoid burnout. You're not going to quit on yourself today. This is how you reach your goals. You win? There is nothing that we can't do if we work together. Sign up for your first body block today. Visit body.com for a free trial. That's B-O-D-I. Are you ready to get started?